Hey, good morning, everybody. This is uh, Pastor Dan Sunday. He's back. <laughs> we'll see him in just a little bit. Yeah, let's stand up. a little bit. Let's sing this together. Come let us worship our King. And come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. Oh, see what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great
Holy Father, this uh, day is yours. Uh, we show up because we understand. I think for most of us, we come into this place and we understand that uh, you are God and we are not. And so we keep you in your rightful place as uh, we realize that today. And we keep you in this place of honor and respect because, um, God, you've done so much for us as we've just sang about. And you have done great things and you continue to do great things even when there's tough stuff happening all around us. So, um, God, uh, we pray today is a good day of perspective, a good day of appreciation, and a good day to uh, just set our compass um, just right back to true north. So we look to you, God, today, this Sunday, this beautiful Sunday in August, and um, thank you for giving it to us. We're really, really grateful. In your name, we all say together. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, uh, while you're standing, take just a second, say hi to somebody around you. Just tell them good morning. See you in a second. Thanks. Hey, uh, while you're sitting, if you could scoot towards center, if you have some chairs at the end, that would be lovely. We have a pretty full crowd at the 930 today. It's awesome. Good problem to have. So uh, just watch for people coming in and try to make some room if they're trying to scoot in. That would be great. And thanks for ushers trying to help with that this morning. That's awesome. Hey, well, I'm Billy. I'm the uh, worship pastor here at the church. Glad you all are here at church today. It's a good day to be at Hope Vale. A lot of good stuff going on, and uh, we try to keep pointing everybody to our website because there's so much that goes on here in the body of Hopevale Church. So keep an eye on hopevale.org and just make sure you're seeing what's, what's coming up and what's going on. So glad you're a part of today. So uh, if you are new with us, uh, hopefully maybe you've uh, experienced a good greeting and a good uh, opening song and maybe just friendliness in the church, and hopefully this is a place where you can find the things of God and the goodness of God in your life. Um, and if it's not, uh, maybe you find somewhere else. That's great. But uh, if this, is, uh, this could be a place you'd like to call home, we sure would love that. And uh, right out these doors right here at the center of the lobby, you probably saw a bunch of TVs right there. We call that the welcome desk or the welcome center. So you can, we have a gift for you if you're new with us, um, like a tumbler, keep hot and cold drinks, and some information about our church. Feel free to stop by there, and you can ask any questions about the church, who they're super friendly people. They don't bite, unless you take too many mints. Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe they just bite me if I take too many minutes. So, yeah. Hey, um, ushers, if you would come uh, forward this morning, and uh, we're gonna just going to mention a quick announcement while you come forward. We have this uh, 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 veterans support group coming up uh, this Tuesday. So come one, come all to that 630 in the venue at church. Uh, that would be great. We see that flag uh, waving, and uh, if you've been watching the news this weekend and this morning, you've probably seen some, uh, some different things happening throughout our country uh, with a shooting. I think it was around 20 people or so died in El Paso, Texas this weekend, and uh, just late last night uh, in Dayton, Ohio, another shooting. I think nine or ten people died. Just awful, senseless acts of violence, and um, we need to keep that in our prayer this morning and pray as a congregation, pray for our nation, pray for our friends around our nation that are going through really, really difficult times. These communities really need to be coming together in times like this, and thank the Lord people do come together in times of uh, grief. So uh, whatever you're bringing into church today, uh, you may be coming with your own grief, coming with your own stuff. A lot of people say, leave that stuff at the door and come in and worship. I don't say that. I feel like bring that stuff in, uh, pass the door and bring it with you and lay it at the foot of the cross that we see here as we worship. And uh, we're going to lay uh, El Paso and Dayton at the foot of the cross and just ask for the Lord to do great things um, uh, as people try to wrap their head around why do tough things happen to 
good people. The Bible says the rain's going to fall on the just and the unjust. That just means tough stuff is just going to happen in life to good and bad people, and we have free will, and we don't know why God allows certain things, and um, there's questions we'll all ask this side of heaven that I don't know that we'll ever find out the answer to, but when we get to heaven, I think we'll know in full, as scripture says, and um, so, but in the midst of strife, and in the midst of the what the heck, uh, I think it's good for us to pray and to come to God and acknowledge him for his goodness and ask for him to continue to bless. So let's pray together, friends, as we give this morning at Hope Vale. So Heavenly Father, um, yeah, we do that. We, we put you in your rightful place. We know you're God. We know you, uh, uh, you give us free will. You give us free will to choose you, which is beautiful. Um, nobody's stuffing Jesus down anybody's throats here at Hope Vale, uh, but we represent a God and a Christ and a Holy Spirit who is the best thing that's ever happened. So we choose you today and, uh, because we know you've chosen us. And uh, in that free will, we know sometimes uh, that can be taken advantage of and we can, people, humankind can make really bad choices. So uh, as uh, El Paso and Dayton struggle really, really deeply this morning, uh, we struggle with them and we, we lift up our prayers, we lift up our laments, and uh, we ask God that you would uh, bless and comfort and bring people together in times like these. So um, pray, Father, that... Uh, you would just be acknowledged in these moments and that uh, we know that you hurt with them. Um, we know Psalm thirty four eighteen says, the Lord is near uh, to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So we lift them up to you today. And God, for us today here uh, in Saginaw, Michigan, we turn our thoughts toward uh, what you'd have for us this day. Um, God, we um, come on a day like this where we uh, receive so much from you um, but Lord, we pray that you would receive from us, not just a heart of worship, but a heart of thanks and gratitude with uh, what you've given us. So God, uh, with what the uh, ushers are going to receive this morning, we pray that you would receive this and um, just take it for your kingdom's advancement, uh, Lord, here at Hope Vale and beyond and all the ministries that we support. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say, amen. So uh, this kid over here to my left, her name's Eliana. She's 18, just graduated high school, and uh, she sings. She's a worship leader in our youth group, and uh, she, uh, she leads worship in Bay City, too, and it's her first time on the Saginaw platform, and she sang for me uh, a little while ago, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, girl, you got to be singing in church with that kind of gift, and, and uh, I get the chance to be able to do that with auditions and things like that, which is really fun, so she's going to lead us. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, you know, everybody comes with different things in their life and different struggles. She has her struggles. You've got your struggles. And uh, but I just want you to know, she sings this song, Peace Be Still, as we all worship with her. She's singing this from a place of very personal stuff. And uh, I hope you can sing this from a place of your, with your personal stuff. And, um, and hear the Lord's words in this song of peace being still and calming the waters in your life, calming the seas in your heart. So glad you're here, friends. Let's continue to worship together.
Yeah, I got there's something. Yeah. Thank you, Eliana. That was beautiful. You guys, there's something uh, about speaking uh, those words over your life, and um, Hopevale's not a name it and claim it kind of a church. We don't name our healing or name our victory, but um, uh, the Holy Spirit is peace. We can name Jesus and we can name the Holy Spirit and name the name of the Lord our God over our things in our life. So peace be still, the Lord Jesus said. And so I hope and pray that that's something that you experience today in your life and worship and that you continue to experience. Yeah. It's a good day to have Pastor Dan back at church, friends. Yeah. So, uh, he's probably going to beat me up for saying it's Pastor Dan Day at the very beginning of the church. It's God's day. It's church. It's not Pastor Dan Day. But he's been gone for three months. It's been awesome. So, uh, sit down. We have a little something fun to show you. Hello, Bay City. Uh, you can have a seat. I miss you guys. I really did. It is so good to be here with you this morning. I can't tell you. Now, don't get me wrong. Our sabbatical was a tremendous experience. Kathy and I are so grateful for this special gift of rest, refreshment, and renewal in the Lord. Uh, so thank you, church. 
Thanks especially to our elders who had the vision and made this happen for us. I also want to thank Mike Whitmer, Mike Garner, Pastor Sam, Pastor Brent for uh, taking the sermons while I was gone. Heard great things about all of them. Also wanted to thank our church staff for carrying some of the extra load over these last three months. It is so much appreciated. But I got to tell you, as wonderful as our sabbatical was, it was really hard for us to be away from our church family for so long. We realized that, that you guys, were, you're the people we care about, and we feel cared about by you. And I, I really mean that. The old cliche uh, is true. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And one of the things, um, wow, God impressed upon Kathy and me is just this profound appreciation for our church family, Hope Val, for you. What an honored privilege it is for me uh, to be able to serve here as one of the pastors. Uh, my heart has grown fonder for you, so thank you. Well, back to the sabbatical. As you saw in the video, we went a lot of places, did a lot of things, and saw a lot of people. So I crunched some of the numbers about our sabbatical, and here's what I came up with. Uh, 16 non-Michigan relatives seen. A lot of those who are dear to us, unfortunately, do not live near to us, so we were able to travel a bit and see them. 13 states visited. 11 books read. Uh, trying to make my way through the complete works of Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> uh, eight church services attended. And yet, as I promised in April, showed up late and sat in the back for most of them. <laughs> I see what you guys are on to now. It's a pretty good gig, right? Yeah. Uh, four different mountain ranges experienced. Oh, wait, that's right, you're from Michigan. Let me explain to you what a mountain is. It's, <laughs> seriously, though, the, the beauty and the majesty of our God on display through his creation, it is powerful stuff. Uh, three ministry retreats attended, each one of them very meaningful. Uh, one black bear encountered outside our cabin in Colorado, true story. And one 30th wedding anniversary celebrated, including us being able to attend the church in Washington, D.C., where we got married on the very weekend of our anniversary. So that was a very special time for us, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, I should probably throw in one more number. 98. 98. It has been 98 days since my last full facial shave. Yeah, I know, right? How'd this happen? It's like I tried to use the face app, and instead of a picture of me getting older, I just look older, right? So day one of the sabbatical, I stopped shaving, and it just kind of went from there. But I got to tell you, three, three, four weeks into it, it was getting pretty mangy, right? Think Tom Hanks and Castaway. Random people were coming up to me on the streets offering their spare change. You know, it was getting... <laughs> out of control. So I hopped into a Target, bought a beard trimmer to look presentable. You can be the judge of that, right? So 
Here's the thing. Since I've been back, two questions I've gotten the most. How is sabbatical? And two, are you keeping the beard, right? So the first one uh, is kind of what this message is about. The second one is through the summer, and then we'll see from there, okay? Maybe we'll take an online poll. Yes, no, keep shave, right? I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see. Uh, anyways, that's a flyover our sabbatical, but beyond the facts and figures, I do want to tell you a little about the spiritual impact of our time away. When I stood here on stage with Pastor Paul back on April 28th and talked about some of my hopes and dreams for our sabbatical, I said that I wanted to peel away my walk with God from my work for God. Peel away my walk with God from my work for God. So that when I prayed or when I read the scriptures, I wasn't thinking about how I could use that in a message or a meeting or a counseling session. Now, not that that's bad. I mean, don't get me wrong, a big part of pastoral ministry is doing that. And I'm so grateful that I've been able to share that with you for nearly 23 years. But you see, way beyond my calling as a pastor, first and foremost, just like you, I am a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of Jesus who has been forever changed by his amazing grace. And so just like you, my truest and deepest identity needs to be found not in what I can do for God, but rather in what God has done, is doing, and will do for me. And so some of the most meaningful times during the sabbatical was simply letting God speak. Letting him speak to the deepest places of my soul through his word, through prayer, through creation, through other people, through experiences planned and unplanned, through art, through music, through silence, through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Even now it still moves me to think about these special sacred moments, these gifts from the Lord. And I know that your prayers for us while we were away were a big part in helping to make that happen. And so you're probably wondering, well, sounds great. What did God say to you, what are you going to share with us? Well, if I tried to tell you everything in one sitting, we would be here for hours, if not days. So let me just say a couple things for now. First, I guarantee you that in the months to come, you will not only be hearing different snippets from our sabbatical, but I also hope the experience itself is going to color, is going to flavor, is going to shape everything that I share with you from up front as we together seek the Lord's will for our future as a church. And that excites me. It really does. But then second, when I think about these special sacred moments on sabbatical, these profound encounters with the Lord, I realize that they're not so much about discovering something new, but rather for me, they were about reappreciating what I already know to be true. Not discovering something new, but reappreciating what I know to be true. I did a lot of journaling during my time away, and as I reread those entries this past week, I kept finding statements like these. More grace, more gospel. More power, more prayer. More worship, more wonder. More hope, more humility. More spirit, more faith more word, and more Jesus. See, these are the things that I long for in my life. I long for them in yours as well, and in our church, and in this world. See, spiritual breakthroughs, a freshness to faith, they're, they're not going to be found in fads and gimmicks. 
that come and go. No, they're experienced in what the Bible describes as a faith that was once for all delivered to all of God's holy people to the church of Jesus Christ. Us, this unstoppable force for good in the world that has endured throughout the generations. The church that we have the privilege of being a part of. A church that I'm praying for more grace and more gospel, more power, more prayer, more hope, more humility, more worship, more wonder, more spirit, more faith, more word, more Jesus. Oh, great and gracious God, that he would pour out these gifts upon us, that he would refresh our hearts, that we would desire nothing more, and that we would settle for nothing less. That's my hope and prayer for each one of us personally, for us collectively as a church. And as an example of that, for the rest of my time and as a lead up into communion today, I want to share with you a passage of scripture that has been very meaningful to me throughout the years, but it's also one that God used to speak to my heart in new and fresh ways during the sabbatical. And so as we look at it together, I truly believe that God can do that in your life as well. He really can today. The passage is written by the Apostle Paul. It's found in the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is the first of two letters that the Apostle Paul wrote toward the end of his life to his ministry protege by the name of Timothy. And so we're going to look at passage in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And as you make your way there, let me briefly tell you or remind you a little bit about this author by the name of Paul. Actually, Paul wasn't his birth name. No, it was Saul. And Saul grew up in a devout Jewish household. He received the finest of Hebrew educations. And he studied under a very prestigious rabbi. And all this led his vocation as a religious leader in Judaism. And as time went on, as Saul grew in importance, his career arc upward just happened in the providence of God to coincide with the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, along with the birth of the Christian church. Unfortunately, all that was seen by a prob- as a problem by the religious leaders of the day. And so Saul, as one of those leaders, was given a project. And that project was to make the problem go away. He was, to use mob lingo, a fixer, right? And he carried out that work by bullying, intimidating, persecuting, and imprisoning those who belonged to this rebellious and heretical sect of Christians who were also known as the way. We're even told in chapter 7 of the New Testament book of Acts that Saul gave consent that he oversaw the stoning death of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. Saul was there. And then shortly after that, Saul is on his way to the metropolitan city of Damascus. He's going to round up his latest round of prisoners to take back to Jerusalem. Yet on his way there, Saul has this supernatural encounter with the resurrected and ascended Christ. Saul is struck down by a blinding light, and he hears the audible voice of Jesus asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From there, we're told in Acts chapter 9 that Saul is completely humbled. His hard heart is softened, and he recognizes that Jesus is not only the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, but also he confesses that Jesus is his Lord, personally. And so from there, everything changes for Saul. He's given the new name Paul, and he's chosen by God to spread the soul-saving, life-changing good news of Jesus Christ throughout the Mediterranean world. 
Saul the persecutor becomes Paul the proclaimer. It's perhaps the most radical transformation this world has ever seen. And so that's what Paul did. He preached the good news. He established new churches despite the fact that he now is the one facing incredible opposition and persecution himself from those that he once would have called his friends and associates. And then in addition to that, Paul also became the most prolific writer of the New Testament, authoring 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, including the one we're going to see today, 1 Timothy. So let's take a look and see what Paul has to say. 1 Timothy chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 15. Here's this wise, experienced mentor toward the end of his life, passing on his lessons that he's going to share with his young ministry protege, Timothy. Here's what Paul writes. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Timothy, what I'm about to tell you is both important and absolutely true. And because of that, so much so, these things are deserving of your full acceptance, of your total buy-in. You've got to be all in on this stuff, Timothy. Both here in your head, here in your heart, and out here in your hands as you work out your ministry. This is it, Timothy. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Now, before I go on, you're probably wondering what Paul is saying when he says Christ Jesus instead of what we normally know as Jesus Christ, right? It's a good question. Let me just explain that real quick. Jesus is the human name given to him at birth by his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, right? It's personal. It's intimate. Christ is not his last name, some, you know, Jesus, no, It's a divine title bestowed upon him by God. Messiah, anointed or chosen one. Everything that the Old Testament scriptures foretold of were were fulfilled in Jesus. And it's a title, if Jesus is personal and intimate, Christ is powerful and infinite. So follow me on this. They mean the same thing, right? They refer to the same person. It's just different ways of saying it, right? But the order hints at emphasizing one over the other in that context. So we read Jesus Christ. The emphasis is on perhaps the the humanity of Jesus. But in this case, Christ Jesus is an emphasis of the divinity, the eternal nature of who Jesus is and his lordship over all creation, right? And that he truly does have the power to save sinners, So back to the passage, here is a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I mean, this right here, this gospel message, this is Christianity in a nutshell. Jesus came into the world, that's Christmas. Jesus died on a cross, that's Good Friday. Jesus rose from the dead, that's Easter Sunday. All for this one reason, to save, to rescue, to redeem, to forgive sinful, selfish, self-centered people like you and me. And to save us from the cumulative guilt of our offenses against the Holy Creator, God himself. And so Paul says to Timothy, you know, as you pastor your church flock, as you engage with the community around you, this message of hope is ultimately what it's all about. Never, ever deviate from this foundation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and it is still true today. But you know what? 
That's not everything Paul had to say in this verse. Now, he adds this biographical comment at the end. Take a look. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul takes this theologically correct statement that's universally true for all mankind, both then and now, but then he makes it personal. That just that, that Christ Jesus just didn't come into the world to save sinners conceptually. No, he came into the world. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. For me, Paul says. For me, the worst of sinners. Like I told you earlier, this passage has been very meaningful to me for many years, this biography of Paul. But here's the thing. Technically speaking, Paul is not entirely accurate when he calls himself the worst of sinners. He's not entirely accurate when he calls himself the worst of sinners. That if we're having a concept, contest, right? I mean, he's a bad dude, no question about it. He verbally assaulted, physically intimidated, wrongly imprisoned innocent people. And while he may not have personally murdered anyone, he himself oversaw and gave consent to the taking of life. And he did it all in the name of religious orthodoxy, genuinely believing he was doing the Lord's will. So yeah, if you line up his moral resume against most people, it looks pretty bad. But he's not the worst human being who's ever lived, right? I mean, he's not. There have been others in every generation, in every culture, who have done more evil than Paul. And as the headlines of our news read today, we know that evil is a very real thing. So I hate to quibble with the writer of the Bible, right? But if you want to get nitpicky, Paul technically wasn't the worst of sinners. But you know what? I love that he says that. I do, not because it's precise, but because it's personal. Not because it's precise, it's personal. See, Paul knew in his heart of hearts that he was a moral mess who needed to be saved by Jesus. But instead of playing the comparison game, like we all like to play, right? I know I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not like her. At least I'm not like him, right? I may be bad, but I am not the worst, right? We do that. But instead of doing that, Paul owns the fact that before God and surrounded by no one else, he was indeed the worst. Does that make sense? Here's a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, before I left for sabbatical, I knew this to be true, right? That this good news of Jesus is the beating heart of the Christian church. That our success, quote-unquote, before God as a church is tied to our faithfulness to this message. But over these last several weeks, as I pulled away from ministry, as I found myself in these moments just with God and me, you know, I realized anew and afresh that this isn't just Paul's story, it's my story too. That I am the worst of sinners. I am. And that before God, it doesn't make a hoot of difference at all how everyone else around me lives. Know that for a guy who deals with pride, fear, anger, jealousy, lust, insecurity, bitterness, a lack of compassion, and all the other junk, right, that's going on in here that sometimes makes its way out here, right, I am the worst of sinners. And yet, in identifying with the Apostle Paul as the worst of sinners, 
It is in that desperation that I was reminded anew that God's grace is even more amazing than you or I could ever imagine. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. True for the Apostle Paul, it's true for me. And it's also true for each one of us, each one of you, if you buy it. I know many of you here know and follow Jesus, right? You have personally experienced his love, and you've done so in a life-giving, destiny-altering way. You're never the same, and you wouldn't go back. So I hope this passage is a fresh reminder of what Jesus has done for you, about the price that he paid to save you from your sins. To be honest, that's when church worship is at its best. When this good news that we celebrate and sing about and we'll observe a little bit in communion, when this good news becomes even gooder to us, sorry about the grammar there, right? (laughs) When the Holy Spirit makes God's love come alive within us and just sing in our hearts, and our faith isn't some abstract thing, but it is intensely personal. And then for others of you here, you might not know this. You might not feel it. You might not believe it to be true for yourself. That your self-moral assessment is I've done too much. I've gone too far. Listen, in your despair, Jesus is there. Jesus is inviting you in hope and humility to call upon him to be your savior. Because if Jesus can save a mess like Paul and a mess like me, he can also do the same for you. You're never too far from the reach of God's love. You know, this is a standing invitation for all of mankind that has remained open for everyone, including you, for the last 2,000 years. And in the intersection of time and eternity, today can be that day like Paul, like me, where you too can say, I do to Jesus Christ and call upon him to be your savior. It's Paul's story. It's my story. I hope it's your story as well. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Look at what he says next. Verse 16. But for that very reason, Paul says, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience, his incredible love as an example for those who would believe in him, in Jesus, and receive eternal life. So you can just sense the amazement in Paul's voice as he tells his life story. That here's this blasphemer, this persecutor, this violent man. The very words Paul uses to describe himself just a few verses earlier in verse 13. And he is amazed that Jesus not only saves him, forgives him, cleanses him of all his guilt and shame, but then he also sends Paul out into the world so that others too would believe in Jesus and receive eternal life. I just love the wording here in the middle of the verse that God put Paul on display for all the world to see. That he would be this living, breathing example, not of his own righteous perfection, but rather of Jesus' immense and loving patience with us. See, that's who God uses, and that's how God works. See, back when he was Saul and all his smugness, he thought he was pleasing God. He thought he was making a difference in the world with all his righteous works and religious efforts. 
But when Jesus turned Paul's life upside down, Paul's story went from look at how good I am to look at how immensely patient and loving and forgiving Jesus is. And the more that Paul lived in the latter instead of the former, the brighter that Jesus was on display so that others too would believe in him and receive eternal life. You know, again, over sabbatical, I was deeply reminded of this incredible dynamic in my own life as well. So humbled, so grateful that Jesus could somehow use me as an example to point people back to him, back to his amazing grace, back to his incredible mercy. Because that's who we as the church are supposed to be. God wants to use us as this mosaic, this tapestry, where he takes all these different incredible encounters that we've each had with Jesus and weaves them together where the brilliance of each individual story is magnified when it's unified as one. That's the church at its best. And you know, through my years here at Hopewell, I'm so grateful to see how Jesus has been on display in so many of you. How God has used your lives as examples to impact other people as they too come to know and follow Jesus. And as you know, when God uses you like that, there is no greater joy in this life. There really isn't. And so while I'm so incredibly grateful to have been part of this here in the past, I cannot wait to see what God has in store for us in the weeks and months to come. Because I know he's not done with us yet putting us on display in Saginaw, in Bay City, in the Great Lakes Bay region, and beyond. Because there are still hearts to touch, there are still lives to reach, and Jesus wants to do that through you. He really does. Through your messy, imperfect, forgiven, growing, and changing life, to put you on display. Jesus saves and Jesus shines in us and through us. It's Paul's story, it's my story, and by the grace of God, may it be our story here at Hopewell as well. And yet we're still not done. Because there's one more reminder, as Paul tells his story, that just in case we are tempted to think it's all about us, verse 17, here's how Paul concludes this section. He tells his story, and then he says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. People, all this around us, everything we do at church, All that I've talked about, it's not about us, it's about God. It's not about our reputation, it's about his glory. It's not about how good we are, no, it's about how great he is. We exist for the glory of God. And see, that's why sharing communion together as a church family is so important for us to do. Because it's a time for us to go back to our roots. It's a time for us to remember where we came from and to recall the story where God steps into the lives and uses Jesus to change the worst of sinners. A story where God, in the end, gets all the credit. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, these last three months of rest, renewal, and refreshment have been a gift that you have given me that I will cherish for the rest of my life. I really will. And again, thank you for helping to make that happen for us But I'm here to tell you that everything I've talked about today, you don't need a sabbatical to make that your own. You don't. Because the Holy Spirit can breathe life. He can breathe the truth of this reality into your hearts. The deepest places of who you are right here, right now, he really can 
if you let them. So let's be the kind of people that never tire in celebrating and in sharing our life story. That this Jesus that we have come to know and follow, that he came into the world to save sinners, of whom we are the worst. And because he did, to him be the honor and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. God, you are Lord of all time. But you are also Father of our sacred moments. These experiences in life that go beyond words and human explanation. Moments that I wouldn't be surprised some of us here today have experienced. Encounters with you that go beyond human description. Where your still small voice speaks the most valuable place within that invisible reality called the soul that we know we're created by you to know that we belong to you and are invited to do so all because of Jesus God thank you for how life gives us gifts Make us a grateful and appreciative people. Again, Lord, just on behalf of everyone here, I want to just thank you for what you gave to Kathy and me uh, through this congregation. But I also want to pray and thank you for just every good and perfect gift each one of us has experienced from you. Sometimes in the valley, sometimes in our despair, sometimes in our desperation, it's hard to see that. So lift us up to higher ground that we may see the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God who deserves all the honor and the glory. Let us live our lives for such a grand and glorious cause. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if it's the cleverness of human planning, a coincidence, I'd say it's God's work that communion happens to fall on today, right? Because when you talk about what church is all about, what Christianity is all about, it comes back to Jesus. And it comes back to the love that he showed us on the cross. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Paul says in Romans. And so we're invited anew to re-enter that story, to experience it in deeper and fresher ways. And that's what today is about. In those eight different church services that we went to scattered all over the place. There were a couple times where we happened to take communion. 
And those were very meaningful times for me because it connected me with brothers and sisters in that physical place, Arlington, Virginia, Des Moines, Iowa, right? That I have never met before. But those moments also connected me with you. Members of this beautiful bride of Christ. Because communion is a reminder to nourish our soul that all that we have and all that we owe belongs to Jesus. But it's also a reminder that we belong. Belong to a church family. Where despite all our differences, we have one thing in common. We have a Savior who loves us more than we could possibly ever imagine. And so my hope and prayer that as we go through communion today is that God would breathe the fresh winds of his spirit into our hearts. That whether you've done this hundreds of times, there would be a freshness in you. Because I know some of you need a word, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, a word of hope. And Jesus wants to give that to you today. Because when he does, you will know the truth. When, he, when it is said that if God is for you, who can be against you? And so communion is a gift that Jesus gave to the church. It's been celebrated by followers all across the globe for the last 2,000 years. Right? Here at Hopevale, we observe communion together once a month as a staple of our worship. Not as a wooden ritual, but as a living, breathing encounter with the risen Christ. As he showed in the upper room on the night before his death, as he observed the Passover meal and added new covenant meaning to these old covenant elements, we will take the bread, we will take the cup, the reminder of our Lord's broken body, the reminder of our shed blood, and we do it. It's like a vow renewal. It's like saying to Jesus, I still do. Communion is open to everyone here who knows Jesus in a personal way, whether Hopevale is your church home or not. That's the way it has happened for the last 2,000 years. And so we invite you to participate. We invite you to examine your heart before the Lord and let the Spirit search your heart as Scripture encourages us to do. To honestly, humbly, and yet hopefully deal with whatever junk he stirs up and that you would confess that to the Lord. But if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, in the way I've been striving you, that you would not consider yourself the worst of sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. There's two things I'd say to you. One is that you let the, the, the plates pass by, right? that you wouldn't partake in communion. And the reason we say that, one, is we really do believe this to be a holy and sacred act. But also... We also don't want it to be a mockery for you, right? I mean, what a sham if you just went through the motions if this thing didn't have any personal meaning to you. So respectfully, we'd ask that. But hopefully, this would be an opportunity where you would ask yourself, what is keeping me from trusting in Jesus and putting my full faith and hope in him, right? Because the invitation is there. 
the invitation to go from a movement where you say Jesus is a savior to Jesus is the savior to Jesus is my savior, just like Paul did, right? From Saul to Paul. And it's been in moments like these for the last many years here at Hopeville where people have personally encountered Jesus and trusted him in savior, as savior as they've taken the elements together. So that's the invitation. Parents, if you've got kids with you, if they know Christ the Savior, they can partake. If not, let the plates pass by as well. I'm going to ask that the servers come forward. And as they pass the plates, uh, we have cups stacked on top of each other. One has the bread, one has the juice, right? So reach in, make sure you grab two, and then hold those. And once we know that everyone's served, I'll then lead us in a time where we share in the bread, where we share in the cup, and we worship Jesus together and celebrate anew the greatest news ever. Let's pray. Lord, um, sometimes the facts of the good news become just that, facts cold, hard, wooden, flat. And Lord, part of the human experience is we ride the waves of emotions that sometimes we feel your presence, it is so palpable and thick and other times feels distant. God, we can't control that, but we would ask that you would infuse this moment and that through communion, Jesus, we would encounter you in a very real and spiritual way. And so, God, that's my prayer for everyone here. That as we remember the turning point of history, the God who became man dying on the cross in our place for our sins, we would know what it is to be loved and welcomed into the family of God. What it is to live forgiven and free. And so, God, just... So we take these meditative, instrumental moments. We want to hear from you. Speak, for we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. It's part of what it means to be a church family. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are present, you are real, you are active, you are alive in these moments. And that what we're doing is not just going through the motions, but we are encountering the living Christ. Encourage us, strengthen us, pour out as we've sung today, your peace upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. So in God's word, he reminds us um, in the Psalms that I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands and that's Psalm 63 4 um, and then in Psalm 146 2 he says I will praise the Lord as long as I live I will sing praises to my God with my dying breaths so let's worship together um, and thank God for all that we have yeah, y'all can stand up
I miss doing that with you, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we, so, uh, you know, one of our last Sundays was Easter. We sang that on Easter, and it's a great reminder that that's an every Sunday song and an every Sunday story for us as we seek to know and follow Jesus. Again, elder prayer out in the hub, but as you go from here, may the Lord bless your life richly in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you.